one. Hey folks, Zach Osmer here, Ivan Sutter, Indianapolis Star. This is Mind Your Banners for Sunday morning, November 26, 2023. There's a very agitated puppy uh, behind me, 80-pound puppy behind me, because he wants to leave my office, but my wife has stashed him in here because he is not behaving very much. Um, this is all happening because it is Sunday morning, and Indiana has obviously made news. With me is Mike Nisler for the Bloomington Herald Times. Uh, Tom Allen is out after seven years in Bloomington. I don't think anybody is particularly surprised by this. Um, I don't think that, you know, that there was, there was certainly sort of an air, I guess, of, of resignation or finality around Allen's post-game news conference Saturday and just everything surrounding the Purdue game, win or lose. Um, but obviously Indiana paying 23 million, roughly speaking, to move on Tom Allen and his staff, um, across, you know, anywhere from now to June through the next four years is, a pretty meaningful move for IU football. Yeah, like you said, I mean, resignation, I thought, was on Scott Tolson's face yesterday. He always sits on, um, uh, you know, uh, Allen's press conferences. And, um, you know, it was kind of awkward when Allen was uh, asked straight up, you know, what what are you, you know, are you concerned about your job security? And, and you know, Tolson's standing right there, but I think everybody kind of knew what the story was, I mean, the wins just didn't add up. How do you keep a coach that's, you know, has the worst set? Well, yeah, I think worst record because Vanderbilt made a coaching change in there over the last three seasons against uh power five conference opponents or an overall record. I mean, you just can't. And there had been, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's almost like two distinct Tom Allen tenures. There's the first four years where he wins. What is it? 24 games, I guess. Um, there's the two big bowl games. There's obviously the COVID season where Indiana is, you know, is, 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 you know, in the top 10 in the country for a lot of that season, some really famous wins, obviously a very weird year, but I don't think it's, it's fair to say it's just sort of a one-year blip when you consider that Indiana was in the Gator Bowl the year before that. Um, and when you look at what some of the players off those teams have kind of gone on to do, um, uh, in, in in whether it's in the NFL or obviously like in the case of, for example, Michael Penix transferring to Washington. But then there's, as you referenced, the last three years when Indiana's got three Big Ten wins over three seasons, no Power Five wins in the non-conference, nine wins overall. And, you know, probably it is fair to say too many losses like the ones we've seen Indiana suffer in the last three weeks where, you know, you can't draw a line, a through line and say, well, they lost to Illinois, Michigan State and Purdue all for this specific reason or these two specific reasons that can be fixed, that can be addressed, that can be somehow sort of, you know, uh, you know, managed through the off season. Um, it, it did just kind of get to a point where it felt like Indiana was losing games because Indiana just wasn't a very good football team. And it was sort of like if they needed to lose a game 48 to 45, they could do that. If they needed to lose it 28 to 21, they could do that. And you, you, you got a sense that maybe there was a chance that that Wisconsin game was a bit of a, a corner turn, but to follow that with three straight, close, frustrating, you know, just sort of, you know, losses where Indiana ultimately just made a lot of mistakes that it, it couldn't overcome. I mean, even that Purdue game where Purdue is chasing for a lot of that game, but Indiana is the one making all the mistakes, the interceptions, the penalties, you know, the special teams. Well, well in, in fairness, Purdue made significant mistakes. They were called off sides in a punch. They had a lot of punch. Yeah, that's Return. Let's not gloss over the fact that two bad teams played on Saturday and they were both bad. 
Yeah, no, but but it it one way or the other, it just it, it sort of felt. I think you'd understand anyone who felt like there just wasn't reason to kind of believe that the trajectory was going to bend upward again after this season. Well, and I think the irony was is that when Scott Dolson was kind of looking at the the back half of the season, he was kind of um, you know obviously interested to see how. Indiana would play after getting through the gauntlet against some of these lesser Big Ten opponents. Wanted to see the offense kind of stabilize, which I think it it did. But the defense, the defense was so bad over the stretch. I mean, the amount of missed tackles for t- on those touchdowns that Michigan State scored last week and then this week on Purdue. Um, you mentioned the horrible contain. I mean, and then when Allen says, you know, he's never even seen that many missed sack opportunities after the game. I mean, there was just no way to justify outside of the fact that, you know, you have to pay him $20 million to keep them because they just kept the defense took at, at whatever step forward, the defense took a two tech took two steps back. And that was Allen's baby. And, um, you know, the offense by the end of the year looked okay, I guess, you know, competitive enough, um, but not good enough where it could, you know, spot a team three interceptions or um, handle a defense that couldn't tackle anybody. I guess to, to just put a bow on, on Allen, we're doing this, you know, this is going to be a relatively short episode because we've obviously, there's a lot to write about. There's a lot to talk about. And of course, um, there's also a basketball game at 430. Um, wall in downtown Indianapolis. Um, to kind of put a bow on Allen's tenure, I mean, I know you, you were only around for the last season of it. Um, I, I think it, is probably fair to say though he should and probably will be remembered pretty fondly in Bloomington. I think there was obviously a lot of frustration among fans, among donors and boosters by the end of his tenure, understandably. So I think even Tom Allen, you know, I mean, you referenced kind of his comments, you know, he kind of said, I get it. I, you know, I get what college football is as a business. Um, You know, he kind of said that, that post game Saturday in dealing with the media, um, and that's not always reflective of, you know, who a person is in all their life, but it is worth saying in, in dealing with the media, he was generally nearly all, you know, pretty, I think I was like nearly always pretty much always professional. If anything, he was, you know, he, <laughs> he would sometimes tell us that he, he wasn't going to answer our question because he didn't want to lie to us, but he wasn't going to tell us the truth either. Um, he managed to find that, that nebulous middle ground to stand on. Um, his players clearly loved him. Um, and there was a period in time you know, if 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 you told me that night that Indiana's coming off the field against Wisconsin and all his players are surrounding him and shouting into the microphone and interrupting the ESPN interview, that that this is how it would go basically from that day. You know, I mean, that was kind of the, the high watermark. Um, it would have been hard to imagine. He did very well for a time in Bloomington. And I think I think, you know, just about everyone who came across him or crossed paths with him through his tenure will probably have as many fond memories as negative ones. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can't ignore sort of the structural and problems with Indiana football too. Like he had a lot to overcome and try to overcome and to have the success he did over that two year span um, was impressive. And like you said, to maintain sort of the relationships he did with sort of every player he had kind of that come through the program, um, you know, each one kind of had a story about something he had done or, you know, you know, extra effort that he had put into that relationship, which was 
um, you know, very notable, I think, and and, and commendable. Um, you know, he he knew it was a business, but he he put in time with those players um, to build those relationships, and and that matters. Um, but just the you know success level, just not anywhere where it needed to be. Spinning forward, then, um, you know, I, I I've I'm sure you've poked around this too, and and I've had some conversations this morning. I think the thing I can say with the most confidence is I expect Indiana to try and move pretty quickly through this. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think Scott Dolson, I mean, obviously no AD is ever going to make a move that costs eight figures and, and not have some idea of what he or she wants to do, you know, once the job is open. But I, I think that he probably already was, you know, this kind of goes back to maybe the sense that the Purdue game really, I don't think mattered a ton to this decision, um, and obviously you'd say it shouldn't have one game should never sort of turn, you know, a, a, a long-term sort of decision like this. Um, I think that, uh, I think that Dolson is, is going into this with a, probably a, cl- a pretty clear sense, at least of the sort of candidate profile that he wants. And I think this is going to move fairly quickly. Um, this is as much sort of my connecting the dots as it is anything anyone's told me, but given where Indiana is, given what's coming down the pipe in terms of Big Ten uh, expansion, um, you know, NIL resources, the need to have a really sort of firm hand on the wheel and the portal and all those things, I would be really surprised. And and if you, if you think different, you know, I'm happy to hear the argument, but I would be really surprised if Indiana is not targeting someone with pretty extensive head coaching experience, whether that's someone who is maybe not in the job right now, but has extensive head coaching experience, someone who's maybe a coordinator, but has, you know, head experience in the past or someone who's obviously a sitting head coach, maybe at a, at a Mac program or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, to your point about, you know, this, the groundwork needed to be laid. This couldn't be a call that he made just today. And, 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 you know, in terms of like a phone call and be like, all right, I need $20 million. Let's go. I mean, this was sort of weeks in the making in terms of lining up the cash, first of all, and then also doing do your due diligence, um, you know, because the nature of college football now is that you can't take too much time because when the portal opens, um, you have to have people in place kind of keeping the roster together um, and then spinning it forward and trying to, um, land, you know, top talent. So you don't have weeks, you have days, you know, and so, um, you know, the list, he he was working, he's going to be working off a list he had already formed. Um, and, and to your point about head coaching experience, I think that's important. But I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a move they got to get right. You know, when you spend this much money on a buyout, you have to be smart, right? You can't just l- land like an also ran. So I think they do, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, Thinking outside the box too. I don't. I don't know how if, if they'll do that, but I think they should, especially having given up, you know, twenty million dollars. The last coaching search. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. What the last coaching search they had was twelve years ago. Uh, thirteen. It was twenty. I mean, it's been a long time since they've sort of <laughs> gone out there. Um, and and you know, it's they they should. I, I you know, I, th- I think they should cast a wide net smartly. Is but what I how I would kind of phrase it. I think, I mean, I think the other question here is, you know, Indiana's got to have a very firm sense of, of what it can put on the table in terms of NIL resources. And I think we've seen, you know, certainly Indiana double down on sort of NIL, both 
fundraising and spending. They won't, you know, they won't say it's specific to football. Um, but I think there's, you can certainly get a sense for what is meant to be very helpful to football in, in particular, some of the work that Indiana has done with Hoosiers for good and Hoosiers connect it's, it's official partnership or partner collectives. I think the other game changer potentially in this, sorry, my, my 10 month old puppy is very sad that he's locked in the office with me and he doesn't want to uh, be in here, but I think my wife is just trying to uh, reduce the chaos outside the door. Um, I think the, the other, the other piece of it is, you know, it, it, it's got to be a coach who a has a firm idea of what they're going to do with that money, I guess, for lack of a better term and b a coach who is prepared to be really involved in continuing to expand those resources for as long as NIL rather than possibly revenue sharing is sort of the, um, the law of the land. Um, that is something Indiana is never going to compete with the Ohio States, with the, the Michigans. I don't think anyone expects that, but Indiana has got to get to a place where it is consistently among, you know, if you want to say sort of the next tier in the big 10, the, the Wisconsin's, the Minnesota's, the Illinois, certainly down to the Illinois, the Purdue's, the Northwestern's, the Rutgers's. Indiana's got to get to a place where it's consistently at or near the top of that pile, because that allows you at least to keep some of your better players around and to be a little bit more, you know, aggressive in in pursuing, you know, certain transfers that might be able to help you a little bit more, frankly, than, you know, Indiana's had some good impact transfers in the last couple of years, but Indiana's also swung and missed on some players that went to um, that went to other other schools and really succeeded. I just think that this has got to be this has got to be a coach that has a really, really firm vision of this is how I use NIL to succeed with my program. Well, I think they just need a firm vision of recruiting in general in terms of, um, you know, modernizing sort of the the department um, and knowing, you know, like what was Indiana's like identity the last three years in terms of recruiting when you kind of look at it other than, you know, you lean heavily on the transfer portal, but you're just, you, you can't just be like filling pieces all the time. You know, you have to have some sort of, um, you know, strategy in mind, how you build sort of, um, you know, not the type of player you're looking for, the types of, um, you know, offensively, I think that was reflected more than anything else. It was just kind of a hodgepodge of styles over the last three years that um, resulted in, you know, you're trying to fit guys wherever you can. And it took time to sort of, um, you know, find roles for a lot of these guys. I mean, do you uh, forgive me for, for putting you on the spot? Cause I don't know that I have a great answer to this question <laughs> at the moment, but like, I mean, is there, uh, like, are there, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I know you did a candidate list. I, I put out like 15 names. I think I had to strike Jonathan Smith off it yesterday because um, he was hired at, at Michigan state. I mean, is there anybody that particularly stands out to you in terms of saying maybe it's, you know, this would be an interesting name or, you know, again, I mean, listen, this is all I, I do suspect this is all going to move quickly. So we may be sitting here and having this conversation and, and there's already the wheels are already in motion somewhere. I mean, I looked at, you know, some of the younger Mac coaches, Sean Lewis is obviously now at Colorado, um, but had, had some success at a really tough job at Kent State. Um, Willie Fritz. I mean, I've, you know, quietly been begging somebody in the Southeastern Conference to hire Willie Fritz and run a shotgun option uh, for a while now. Is there is there somebody that jumps off the page to you, I guess? 
Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, ironically, I think it's, I'd go, you know, like, I think Indiana is going a different direction than I would go. Like, I would get a prioritized younger coach. I think you want energy. I think you need a face of the program um, and somebody that's sort of going to, not that Tom Allen wasn't, but I, I, I don't know, some something unique, something different. Um, you know, I, I've said, you know, I think what... I, the irony of Ryan Grubb being a name that I would I would pursue, you know, Kalen DeBoer and, and Michael Penix, that success, um, you know, somebody with like an offensive mind that's sort of, um, you know, sort of exciting and sort of doing things differently. And I, I don't know, that could bring a unique style to Indiana. I think that would be kind of exciting, but I don't think he sort of fits what they're looking for. I think he'd be a good candidate, but um, not necessarily what Indiana isn't necessarily in the market for. Um yeah, it's not a good answer. I, I, but I, I just, I think I'd go in a different direction that Indiana is going to go in. You know, I, I, I you know, you said head coaching experience. I think that's important. But you know, I'd get somebody, to be honest, that's had experience at the Ohio States or Michigan, that high level programs that can um, bring a template for how Indiana things that Indiana needs to impl- implement. Because I do think Indiana is sort of behind the times in some areas. Um, you know, they talked about doing more investments. But they need somebody, I think, with a firm grip of what they need to invest in and what, what makes sense. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a really fair point. And I mean, maybe somebody who is somebody who comes a little bit from whether they're a, a younger coach, a coordinator, a sitting head coach, a, a, you know, somebody who's out of a job right now, somebody who's maybe been I mean, that when Kevin Wilson came to Indiana, like he kind of walked in the door and said, Hey, I've been at Oklahoma for the last whatever years. And I'm telling you, like, this is a small time operation. And and there were some ways in which Kevin was probably being a little too harsh, a little bit too blunt, a little bit too sort of like, Oh, well, this isn't what I want. So I'm just going to tell you it's bad. But I've told people forever that, that whatever his foibles, whatever his, 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 you know, whatever the good, whatever the bad, um, you know, Kevin helped Indiana football grow up. You know, Kevin walked in and said, this is how we do it at one of the top five, six programs in the country. And he didn't necessarily expect Indiana to be, you know, top five nationally, but he was able to say, this is what you're doing wrong. You're a Big Ten program and you're not acting like it in these areas in strength training, in nutrition and where you're putting your money in, you know, how you're using your facilities and how you recruit and how you develop. And this is how we're going to change it. Um, I think there is probably some value in, in a coach that's maybe been in whatever context somewhere a little bit bigger that can walk in and say, you know, we did it this way at this school for this reason. And that's why this needs to, because it, you know, it is worth saying like, you know, Indiana renovated his locker room about four or five years ago. Um, Scott Dolson's next big facilities commitment is going to be like a, a, a wide scale renovation of uh, Memorial stadium, which is badly needed. Not the, not the North and South end zones. Those are fine, but basically everything else is, is just, it's, it's a, a very, very old stadium and has been allowed to age. Um, the, I think there, there's obviously also the commitment to, I guess this football only sort of section of the weight room, which, you know, uh, we can argue about whether that's really necessary, but it will make a difference. And then I would be surprised if Indiana does not have some long-term designs on, yeah, updating and improving Mellencamp Pavilion as well. Um, but Mo wants out of this room very badly. Um, he, 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 hears, he hears more fun things than podcasts happening down the hall. Um, I just think that, that 
I think your point about, you know, somebody that can kind of walk in and say like, Hey, this is, this is the way we did it at a, at a bigger, more successful place, whatever that is, whether it's facilities, it's NIL, it's how you staff, how you hire, how you recruit. I, I don't know. Um, and I think, you know, you, you talk about something, you know, different, something a little bit kind of um, maybe more exciting scheme wise. The other thing I can't get away from is it, it did feel like Tom Allen by the end was just kind of searching for answers with, with scheme. You know, he, he offensively, he had, you know, from 2019 through the end of, of his tenure, he had, what, four different offensive coordinators, all of whom kind of ran something a little bit distinct to the others. Nick Sheridan's offense certainly looked a lot like Kalen DeBoer's offense, but it, it wasn't the same thing. And then Walt Bell's was very different. I'm still not really sure what Walt Bell's, how you would define Walt Bell's offense, to be honest. And then Rod Carey did something different from that. And even defensively, you know, the, the position stayed the same and some of the concepts stayed the same, but it was sort of like, well, Kane Womack was calling plays and then he left and then Charlton Warren was calling plays and then Tom Allen was calling plays and then Matt Guerrero was calling plays. It just felt like Indiana kind of lost its grip on what it wanted to sort of underpin its success. And I think that it wouldn't, it really wouldn't hurt to have some of that as well. Well, yeah, they had no identity on sort of anywhere this year. I mean, you know, um, I can I can't imagine that was the whole case the whole whole tenure because I don't think it would have worked, um, but yeah you need to you need to kind of reform that, um, you know and it'll be interesting to see what the roster looks like here in the next week or so once the transfer portal opens who's going to be kind of left standing for this next coach to to sort of uh, build around I mean I think if you squint uh, in that game or last even last three weeks you can kind of see some pieces that would work for, for, you know, coach that comes in uh, Donovan McCulley would probably be at the top of that list, but um, you know, it's going to be a trying time here in terms of trying to put a competitive team on the field next year when the schedule is still going to be very tough because you didn't escape Michigan and Ohio state. Um, so it's going to be an uphill battle for whoever takes the job in terms of um, you know, this next sort of two months trying to kind of sort through the, what this roster looks like. And then, but if you have somebody with an identity that has like a scheme, sometimes you can overcome some, some, some of those deficiencies. And to your point about trying to find, you know, a coach that has experience, you know, guys that have done more with less, um, you know, season five of the wire, um, th those are probably attractive candidates because, you know, you're probably going to have to do that most of your tenure, but in terms of in the in very much in the short term, trying to get much more out of the talent you have or the talent you can recruit. Um, and it's, it's going to be kind of a, a smaller pool right now. I lost the mute button. Sorry about that. Uh, it'd been a while since it had really, it had really happened in that way. Um, we'll leave it there for now. There's obviously going to be a lot to talk about. We haven't even talked about basketball since before they went to New York. So I'm sure we'll do something on that midweek. They're playing Harvard tonight. Uh, they've got, what, Maryland on Friday. And then they're at Michigan next week. And then Auburn, uh, the the wheel never stops turning. The last thing I would say, and I said this a little bit earlier, but to, to underscore it just to sign us off, I if Indiana has its way, and listen, everybody says this at the beginning of a coaching search, but if Indiana has its way, I suspect it is going to move fairly quickly in this. Um, and and this, this could resolve itself in days rather than weeks. We will see. He's Mike Nislik. I'm Zach Ostman for the Bloomington Herald Times, the Indianapolis Star. This has been Mind Your Banners um, for November 26, 2023. Thank you so much for listening. 
HeraldTimesOnline.com, IndyStar.com slash sports. Uh, you know where to find everything we will be writing in the coming days and weeks. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.